How's everyone doing? And welcome back. I hope everyone is staying safe uh, during this chaotic time that we're going through right now, especially people who work in healthcare or, you know, a police department somewhere or a first responder of any type. Just I'm hoping everyone is staying safe, being cautious, uh, but also not being afraid at the same time. You know, it's our job. We unfortunately will come into contact with infectious diseases at some point, and we still have to continue to do our job no matter what the circumstance is. But today I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about uh, having a bad partner and how to sort of deal with that without, without causing too many issues so you can still work professionally together and get the job done. So stick around, uh, take a listen, and I hope that you might be able to learn a thing or two from this. So you're always going to have a group of bad people that you're going to work with in any profession. Now, no matter what, there's always going to be that one group who thinks they know everything, who doesn't get along with any anybody else. And it is what it is, and you're just going to have to be professional and learn to work with that. So the last three months, I got paired with a paramedic who was that person, who thought they knew everything, no matter what you told them, you were wrong, any suggestion you made, it was wrong, and it was it was a really difficult three months. Uh, they put him at my station because I didn't have a permanent partner at the time, you know, like everywhere else in this country, in the United States, and I'm sure throughout the world, there's a shortage of paramedics. And you know me, I'm all about education. So if a paramedic class is available to you, I would strongly recommend taking it because always further your education. Uh, they closed uh, the closest one to me down, and they actually closed uh, all of them down in the state, so it's going to delay me a little while longer to get it, but it's on my list of things to do. Anyway, they paired him with me, and the first day we worked together, we were it was right at shift change. I was checking off the truck like I normally do. I always start at the driver's seat because I'm I'm driving most of the time, right? You're the EMT, so you do do patient care, but it's it's not too often. So you do drive a lot. So I start off in the driver's side. I make sure my headlights work, my turn signal works, uh, the emergency lights work. You know, it's full of fuel. I make sure all of that works. And then I proceed to the outside and I... I check each compartment, making sure I have all my equipment. So I get to the, the back compartment, and he comes thundering around the ambulance. He goes, hey, did you check off the truck? And as I'm currently digging through this compartment, making sure I have all my equipment, I'm like, um, I'm working on it. Why? What's up? Well, you need to check off the truck. Again, I'm still working on it. What are we missing? Well, we don't have 
the smaller big BP cuff in the monitor. Okay, why don't you call the supervisor and tell him that? That's not my job. That's your job to do. So I kept my mouth shut, and I just kept checking off the truck. And I got inside, you know, I made sure we had all our bins. All our bins were stocked in the cabinets. Uh, I made sure the bag was was good. And, of course, I checked the monitor, making sure I had uh, had. EKG leads, the the pads, you know, just everything in the monitor. And it turns out we were missing blood pressure cuffs, which is no big deal. I got on the phone, called the supervisor. Hey, this is what we're missing from our truck. Is there any way you can get it to us? Yeah, I'll get it to you, no problem. And within 30 minutes, we had the two blood pressure cuffs. Like, it was literally no big deal. So... We got, we got our equipment that we needed, and then we got called to move to another zone to cover that zone. And he proceeds to tell me, you know, it's your job to make sure that the truck is fully stocked with all the equipment that I need as the paramedic. If I don't have the equipment that I need as a paramedic, then it's you're the person that's going to get sued. You're the person that's going to lose their license, and I'm going to be fine still working. When he said that to me, I looked over at him and I, no shit. I'm, I was just like, you are out of your fucking mind. Are you seriously that stupid? And then he proceeds to tell me about his former careers and what EMTs are supposed to be doing. And I was like, dude, checking off the monitor and making sure everything's in the monitor. That's an ALS skill. I'm not, as an EMT, supposed to touch that monitor at all. Like, that that monitor literally has nothing to do with me. That's an ALS skill. That needs to be checked off by a paramedic. Guess what? Your badge says paramedic on it. That's literally one of your duties. And he looked at me like I was stupid and was just like, fine, whatever, I'm just trying to help you out and... After that conversation, we didn't talk for the rest of the shift. And the preceding shifts after that, we again didn't really talk to one another. But on scene, we kept it professional. Um, We got the job done. And thank the Lord, we didn't really run any critical calls. I think we ran one seriously critical call, and that was it. And I'll actually tell you about that critical call because it kind of pertains into being a good or bad person, paramedic, EMT, whatever you want to, you know, it's just, it just, it, it really annoys me. So we get called out for a cardiac arrest. And when we, when a cardiac arrest comes over, they send the ambulance, a deputy and the fire department. We get on scene first, into the house, uh, the lady's doing CPR on her mom, and what is the first thing you do for a cardiac arrest? C-A-B, circulation, airway, breathing. So we tell the, tell the daughter to stop CPR, the lady's agonally breathing, so she is still breathing, she has a carotid pulse. 
And like I said, she was agonally breathing, so she does have chest rise and fall, but she's not breathing, breathing at an adequate rate. So, like I always do, I hook them up to the monitor, I put the 4-lead on the patient, I put the SpO2 on the patient, and it's just what I do. Uh, I'm here to support the paramedic and, and do what needs to be done. So, she... She's uh, she's tachycardic, so she has a very high uh, pulse rate, uh, and she's she's got low SpO2 percentage. Her SpO2 percentage was low 40s, high 30s. So, and she had a a pretty good sized goose egg on on her head. So I was like, hey, grab me the BVM, the uh, Paramedic grabs me the BVM. I start bagging, and I'm like, I'm going to need a, a BLS airway because I'm not a paramedic. I can't intubate, but I can put in a NPA or an OPA. And an NPA is a nasal pharyngeal airway. It's a, it's basically a plastic tube or straw, but a little more flexible. And it goes up through the nose and into the airway, and it prevents the tongue from blocking the airway. Or an OPA, which is, it's a little thicker plastic thing, and it's curved. I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. But that goes in through the mouth, and it does the same thing. It prevents the airway, or I'm sorry, the tongue from blocking the airway. So I was like, hey, while I'm bagging, I'm like, hey, I need a BLS airway. He's like, no, she's fine. I'm like, dude, her O2 sat's freaking low. I need an airway. And then he proceeds to tell me, no, I don't believe that's right. I'm just like, dude, she's agonally breathing at two to four times a minute. That is nowhere near enough. And I'm not getting good bag compliance, even trying to time it with her breaths in. So I'm like, I need something. He still denies me the airway. So I'm like, fine, whatever. The fire department gets on scene. They get in the room, all anxious to help, which I love. Uh, that fire, that fire crew uh, that I work—that's on my shift. Uh, they're really good guys and gals. They work well with me, and they're eager to help. So they get in there. I'm like, "What do you want? What do you need?" And one of them, I was like, "Hey, I need you to start an IV for me." And I look over at the paramedic, who is no longer to be found in the room with us. And I'm yelling throughout the house. Finally, the fourth or fifth time I yell his name, he pops his head around the corner. And he's like, what do you need? I'm like, what do you mean, what do I need? I need you, the freaking paramedic, to do your job. Didn't say that on scene, but that was going through my mind. But I'm like, hey, this is probably a trauma alert. And he looks at me, he goes, okay. And I'm like, you should probably call for a helicopter too, because she's not doing so hot and... Number one, it's going to take us a while to board, call her, get her in the back of the ambulance, get her ready to go. And two, that it's going to take us a while to transport her to the trauma center. So I'd get a helicopter, just to make it a little quicker. He goes, well, no shit. What do you think a trauma alert is? Now, let me tell you, just because you call a trauma alert does not mean you need a helicopter. There are plenty of times I've taken trauma alerts by ground. I hate having to have 
have to call a helicopter. That is one of my least favorite things to do. Is it cool? Yeah, it's cool. You get to see a helicopter land like 25, 30 feet in front of you. But it sucks. It sucks for the patient. It sucks for me. It, I just, I don't have a good feeling when I do it. So I, I'm normally pretty hesitant to, to suggest that, but this, this lady really needed it. You know, she was a GCS of three for us the whole time. So she was unconscious, wasn't, wasn't, uh, stimulated a pain, you know, verbal, nothing. So, I mean, she was, she was in very bad, very bad condition. Um, so I tell the fire department, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to need, you know, the O2 tank. I'm going to need a collar, a board, straps, head blocks. You know, it, it just now turned into a trauma. We're going to get this thing going. So they get all that for me. And luckily the, the crew that was covering our zone when we got this call, they they showed up on scene, you know, asking if we needed any help. And they were another ALS crew, so they also had a paramedic. And I was like, um, yes, please, I need a freaking paramedic over here because mine ain't doing shit. So I got on the radio. I was like, dispatch, uh, you know, put put this unit on our call with us. Uh, we're gonna need the extra hands. The dispatcher, you know, did what I asked, and I could not thank that dispatcher enough. I could not thank the crew enough who showed up because that was a a really competent paramedic that showed up on scene who knew what he was doing and knew what needed to be done. So after we boarded the patient, got her onto the stretcher, moved her into the back of the ambulance. The paramedic who showed up on scene after us intubated, you know, made sure the patient's vitals were in good working, you know, condition. Uh, her oxygenation sats went way up back into the 90s. You know, this this paramedic who showed up on scene just because ran the call. And that is not at all what should have happened, but I am so thankful that it did happen. So they intubate her in the back of the ambulance. We drive to the, the LZ. The helicopter lands probably three minutes, three or four minutes uh, after we show up. So the helicopter at that time did save uh, some time for the patient to get to the hospital. So they land. We transfer patient care. The helicopter takes off, leaves. And my partner at the time, after we got the ambulance cleaned up and went back in service, my partner at the time goes, wow, that was pretty nice. I didn't have to do anything. And, oh, that really pissed me off. I, luckily, I didn't say anything to him, but it was bad. I mean, in my mind, I wanted to be like, yeah, you didn't have to do anything because you're an incompetent fuck who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. So that would not have ended well for me. Um, I probably would have been fired. So I just bit my tongue, didn't say anything, and I was just like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's nice. So I don't know. I mean, for me... I'm not really an outspoken person. 
Um, I try not to to start conflict. I, I try to avoid it as much as possible. And I just try to be professional about my job. You're going to run into these people. It's, it's only a matter of time. Um, like I said, every job, every profession, no matter where you go in the world, there's going to be people like that. And, you know, especially if you're an EMT, don't let paramedics walk all over you. Know your worth. Because in all honesty, you do a lot more work than what you think. You know, yes, we absolutely do need paramedics. But we do most of the work for them. It's just, just like nurses. Yes, absolutely, we need doctors. They do fantastic work. But a lot of the times, it's the nurses who do the work in the hospital. You know, the doctor orders orders tests, orders, uh, you know, lab work, just whatever. And the nurses go, they grab the samples, run it to the lab, they give patients medications, you know. We kind of do that for the paramedics. We... EMTs, we drive, we make sure you've got equipment, we set up monitor for you, we try to read your mind on what you're thinking, you know, we as well have to know what conditions our patients have and be able to react well and in a timely manner. So if things do hit the fan, we can back up our paramedic, but just... Don't let them walk over you. Like I said, know your worth. You're you are worth a lot more to that paramedic than what they give you credit for. Uh, it was kind of just a little rant tonight, I guess. Um, I really wasn't prepared for tonight, so I do apologize for that. This has been kind of all over the place. Um, if you have any questions, stories, comments, concerns, just whatever, if you just want to talk about something. Uh, you can always message me on Instagram at emt underscore life underscore podcast. I'm always open for conversations. I always answer. Um, I do apologize if it takes me a little time to answer, but I do answer. I hope everyone stays safe. I hope all your family stay safe with all this crap that's going on right now. Uh, if you work in the medical field, please wear your your proper PPE. Uh, I would wear a mask on every patient and I would put a mask on every patient just to be safe. Uh, you just, you don't know, you don't know. And you, you don't want to be the reason one of your loved ones gets sick. So just be safe out there. I hope everyone has a great weekend coming up. I know we can't do a whole lot anymore. We can't go out and do anything, but make the best of it. Really spend this quality time with your family and, and just, just feel loved. So like I said, have a great weekend, have a great week and God bless.